0: All right, so I am very, very thankful uh, for Carol wanting to come back on the podcast because we have so many questions in regards to the Mind Platter in the shop. Um, and outside of food, it is the most discussed product, most popular product in the shop. So there's lots to talk about. All right, so the next question is um, – I hope we can talk about this one a little bit before we start recording. But um, – are they good for cats, too?
2: Absolutely. And um, again, looking at who cats are, it's it, they're such interesting creatures very, as well. Uh, they're predators. And we've had uh, people send in videos where their cats are up on bookcases, come pouncing down by the pet platter, then take off and circle around and they're they're amazing to watch in a feeding experience but yes um and the one thing that everybody should think about and i'm sure a lot of your your listeners know this is about whisker fatigue and uh cats whiskers are a way they evaluate their environment but they have, uh, at the end of the, the whiskers, they have um, nerve endings. And this is communicating sort of what the cat is experiencing in the vi- in the environment. And they're sort of evaluating, is this threatening? What's going on? But the problem is, if the whiskers are constantly hitting into the sides of bowls, then it becomes overstimulated and it can cause anxiety in cats. And there's actually some controversy. Can it actually lead to pain or is it simply overstimulation? But I've heard some cats actually developing tears because it is painful. But the one thing that we do know is that constant banging into the whiskers causes them distress and that will also lead to finicky eating so the best thing you can do is um the pet platter is great for that they can circle it they can control it but there is nothing to hit into the whiskers so it's kind of like you're giving them free reign of their feeding territory which is great it's replicating how they would eat in the wild
0: yeah cats are um I used to be one of those people. I was like, I'm not, I'm not a cat person. And then I started learning about cats and I was like, the cats are awesome. (laughs) Like they're so, um, I mean, they're such, they're like, I always say they're little carnivorous murderous psychopaths. I think the average cat kills like 12 to 14 animals, like outside cats a day, you know? So, um, there's, they're they're savages. And, um, but just like, if you look at their evolution and, and everything else, it's pretty fascinating.
1: Stop guessing what's being added to your pet's food. Feed your pet food made from the freshest and healthiest ingredients found in Steve's real food.
0: Every Steve's formula is pH balanced and uses only 100% natural, high-quality USDA-inspected free-range meats and unprocessed whole and functional foods. Steve doesn't contain any synthetic supplements or ingredients that can't be identified on the ingredient label. Plus, it's loaded with beneficial bacteria from goat milk. See how much better your pet will feel after just a few weeks on Steve's real food. Find out more in the podcast show notes with when I talk about evolution they're they're kind of used to warm foods and and the te- they're picky about you know texture and scent but also temperature um and so the pet platter is kind of the way you designed it the way you developed it it has it holds a certain temperature right
2: right uh the cellulose fiber makes it warm mm-hmm and so we we strove for that because it actually replicates more like they eat in the wild and if you use um, raw food at all you can spread it on the platter and it will warm up pretty quickly and even if you put frozen foods on there it does defrost faster as well so just spread it all around and it you know, there's really no need for a microwave or other things that people may sometimes use.
0: <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I've had a couple customers that asked me one time, like, is it, should I be, is it okay to microwave this stuff? Um, but they're all food of course, but yeah. Um, I was like, no, like I don't want to, I don't want that shouldn't be happening, but, um, yeah. Awesome. No, so, and do not yeah. put
2: the pet platter in the microwave, okay it's not my it's dishwasher
0: dishwasher safe, but not microwaveable safe.
2: Definitely dishwasher yeah. safe bottom rack. Um, but I, I promise you have if you serve raw, just try it once and you'll see it eliminates the need to heat anything up.
0: Nice. Are you are there certain are you I'm afraid to ask this question. Are you is there a certain um cat design coming out?
2: Yes, there will be, Anthony. Will be.
0: Okay. <laughs> I was a little nervous looking at your website last night. I was like, I don't know if these are gonna come out anytime soon or not. Oh,
2: I'm gonna pay you back for that one, <laughs> Anthony.
0: <laughs> I've been waiting since twenty twenty. No. Yes. Yes. I don't even and have a cat. I
2: you know what? I have to apologize to everybody. We get daily requests about the cat platter. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. That's funny. And um, first of all, I just wanna let people know the cat the cats work beautifully on the small bone platter okay it has all the same benefits and works perfectly Um, the problem has been the economy and being able to get the supplies we need um, because as you know supply issues are massive and if you're building a house you're waiting a long time so For us, building the pet platter, it's sort of analogous to that. But uh, we are truly hoping um, to be out in 2023 where we have plans underway, and uh, I will definitely contact you right (laughs) away. Yeah. Um, and we're excited about it because it's, you know, we, we understand wanting to have a separate one for dogs and cats, but um, we will definitely let you know about that. Yeah,
0: cat people like to have their own specific. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but the small ones are uh, that we have a handful of cat customers that swear by them, so totally, yeah. totally acceptable. Um, Awesome, so can a I, couple. Can
2: I also bring yeah. up one? related to elevated feeding sure a lot of questions we get uh, people make the comment well i have a tall dog and i don't want to strain his neck or i have this kind of breed and i don't want to strain their neck and um, there are definitely instances okay and you should contact your vet about if they think an elevated feeder is necessary and the pet platter will sit on an elevated feeder. But here's, here's one thing I wanna let pet parents know. Your dog's neck is incredibly strong and the mus- muscle structure is designed such that it not only protects their trachea, but it allowed them to tear carcasses apart. And if you ever play tug with a dog with a rope, you that dog can rip your arm off.
0: (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Even puppies.
2: (laughs) Right. Right. So, um, you know, if you're just assuming that you have a particular breed and you don't want to strain their necks, their necks are very strong. So. If there is a breed issue, check with your vet. Check if this is what you should be doing. But they are by no means weak in their muscular structure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, like, with the exception of, uh, like, mega esophagus, you know, I mean, I think for most dogs. Right. Flat surface is going to be the best surface. I mean, I've seen some dogs even lay down and eat off of it, too. Have you seen that?
2: I'm sorry. What did you say?
0: I've seen uh, a couple dogs that were actually lay down and eat off of it.
2: Like you know they, what that's, that's a like. Their sign preference. Of, What's that? That it can also be a sign that they are in a totally non-threatening feeding environment. Yeah. Because in the wild, you will typically see the the wolf positioned over the carcass, and the reason for that is. Another wolf can come by, and I've seen videos of this. It just looks like a streak, and that rabbit is gone, you know, yeah. in a half a second. Yeah. But if they if they are laying down, it's either because it's a relaxed environment or the really important parts, the organ meat and stuff like that is is gone and they're a little more relaxed about the rest so that does happen at times so that means you're you're they're feeding in a very protected environment and the anxiety is very low
0: yeah i mean i guess it'd be like if, if, if you know maybe it's a little different but if you give your dog like a like a raw meaty bone or something like that like they always lay down yeah. with it and hold it right um yeah and a relaxed that state. they
2: can hold on to
0: <laughs> yeah um Cool. I also watch videos of wolves eating.
2: (laughs) It's amazing. It is. It's
0: fast. It's yeah, it's really fascinating. Um,
2: If if anybody's interested, they can check with their local zoo because they oftentimes will have um, carcass feedings where you can go to a zoo and they, you can watch, the wolves or African painted dogs or whatever they have there deconstruct an entire carcass and you'll see how everything is pretty much eaten including the hot ha- the hide which is fiber for them and um it can be very not that everybody wants to do this okay
0: <laughs> oh I, I we talked about this last time and I don't know how and why I, well I've been busy but I'm definitely going to do it we don't have painted uh, dogs I wish we did um But we do have some Mexican wolves. Well, come
2: up to the Lincoln Park Zoo.
0: Yeah. Oh, you guys have them up there?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's really cool. They're
2: fabulous to watch.
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm sure. Planet Earth has a cool episode where they have, like, a a drone that follows them around. They're fascinating. Wow. Like, as they're hunting, it's really cool. (laughs) Um,
1: We are so proud of our sponsor today, our friends at Steve's Real Food, who helped make the Fangs and Fur podcast come true. Steve's makes real food from locally sourced ingredients that enable you to give your dog or cat nutritional meals every single day with no fillers or preservatives. Anthony, what do you like best about Steve's?
0: Well, a lot of things really. For one, their long history. They've been doing it longer than most. But more importantly, they're whole food ingredients. They don't use any synthetics and it's real simple.
1: What do you mean simple?
0: Well, when people look on the back of the bag of kibble, they see a long list of ingredients that most people don't even know what they are. You'd almost have to be a chemist to know. When they come into Fangs and Fur, I'll always pull out a box of Steve's Real Food and I'll show them what's in their food. And what you see is beef, beef heart, beef liver, beef kidney, raw goat smoke, broccoli, real food. And Mozzie likes it too, so I'm a big fan of Steve's.
1: I know Anthony and I love their mission statement, to produce food that is good for your pet and the land they walk on. So come into our shop to learn more about Steve's from Anthony or visit stevesrealfood.com.
0: Uh, so anyways, you wanted to talk about, this just kind of like... Um, you know, improving the taste uh, slash meal satisfaction for for our pets. So essentially, like how how we can improve the experience for them. Kind of a, a, an umbrella, kind of looking over. Right. At all the at all the factors.
2: Well, it. I, I'm glad that I could at least introduce this topic. Um, it's pretty interesting because uh, both dogs and cats, their their taste buds um, are not one of their stronger, stronger senses. We have 9,000 taste buds, dogs have um, 1,700, and cats, I believe, have 473, okay? so the notion that taste is the primary determinant um isn't really the case but what they do use is their sense of smell to taste food and their sense of smell we've talked about is very very strong and, in fact, dogs have an olfactory organ called the Jacobson in the back of the roof of their mouth, mm-hmm. which opens up. Um, and if you see your dog, like, uh, lifting his head with his mouth open, he's trying to get a better smell, if you've oh. ever observed that before. Yeah,
0: like, as I'm preparing food. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Exactly. I've I've
0: experienced that like every day. Yeah,
2: (laughs) exactly. So um, the one thing, again, the advantage of the pet platter over the bowl is when the food is piled high, it really, you know, sort of um, suppresses all the possible good smells that a person has put in there. And so by spreading it out, it gives your animal a better chance of um, – Tasting, but also smelling that taste, which brings the full taste profile to them. And the other interesting thing is with cats. Cats, um, there, there's a specific sun, um, group of scent sites uh, called V1Rs, and cats have 30, dogs have 17, and humans have three. This gives them a superb ability to um, distinguish between smells. So they have more sensitive smelling in terms of um, when they're evaluating food so they can differentiate foods better. Uh, Dogs, on the other hand, don't have that same strength of differentiation. And the taste buds that dogs have are more for meat and fat diets. So um, dogs may not be able to differentiate with their taste buds the, the food, but enhancing the smell will definitely allow them to taste their food better. And so it's a reason to really use the pet platter to the um most that you can to let them engage and enjoy their meal more. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, so you're so well both dogs and cats kind of have the I guess the taste buds for for protein and fats, essentially. Right. Right? Cats just have more of that ability than dogs do to distinguish. Yeah,
2: they, have, they have this special group of sensory Uh, Sense sites which help differentiate between foods
0: sure so which is why they're so picky
2: right exactly (laughs) exactly yeah but that's also why why cats like highly aromatic foods as well they will go to Mm. that regardless of what it tastes like which is sort of interesting
0: well that's why there's I mean I know there's certain companies that all they do is make palatins for for dogs and cats yeah. When we talk about processed food. Yeah. to Because otherwise right. they wouldn't touch it, but they make it, yeah, that, that certain aroma. We all know that, it, that especially like opening up like the, the friskies or whatever, you know. Right. It's got a very right. potent smell.
2: Right. But, it, but it's also great because it allows them to detect toxic substances as well. Sure. Which awesome. is the way they protect themselves in the wild.
0: It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool.
2: So that's just another piece of information. It's, you know, it's getting to know the senses of your pets and how they operate so you can create the optimal feeding environment for them.
0: Yeah. There's a lot to take into account with when we feed. We don't, we, I, I think for, for decades, people haven't really paid attention to it up until now, you know, just put it in a bowl and walk away. Right. Um, but there's also, I mean, the location of where we're feeding obviously plays a huge role. Like we talked about, um, stress, I think is, uh, you've talked about before. I don't think we've talked about it, but just like when we're feeding, when we're feeding out of in a stressful situation or we're stressed out about something, it can also kind of be detected by the pets as well.
2: Absolutely. In fact, Dr. Jeff Feynman with Holistic Actions, he often talks about this. And um, I've done a presentation for him regarding anxiety when feeding. And uh, we've talked about a happiness equation, looking at all of the components that contribute to your dog's health and well-being, including the activity that they have with them, the interaction, how you feed them, what you feed them. And so we're working on an equation right now where we could actually uh, determine what factors what into a dog's happiness, because that's really what we're trying to do. They spent 95% of their time in the wild hunting, foraging, you know, deconstructing carcasses. And so we kind of brought this down to two meals for them. So any way that we can optimize the the quality of their experience, um, we're giving back to them like they give to us.
0: Yeah, I look, that's how I look at feeding time. I mean, I know it's if you if you are a weirdo like me, you've watched lots of videos (laughs) of wolves and, and coyotes and wild dogs eating. And you can see it's like the most elated time in their day or their lives is, is, is focused around eating. Um, right. And so I have, I like to have a good time with it and I, I mean, I have a lot of fun with it, but I like to make sure that my dogs are, you know, I'm, I'm providing the best experience for them. Cause that's, that's like the, that's the highlight for them, you know? Right. Um, right. So it's important, you know, and that yeah. obviously, you know, to their happiness, longevity. So,
2: yeah and and it's like you said the what the pet, part of the, what the pet platter was supposed to do as well was to inspire pet parents to think about new and stimulating ways to feed their pets and like we started out in the beginning you said you were observing um, your pets eating and videotaping them and i encourage everybody to look at that because your pet is communicating with you the whole time he's eating. What foods does he go after first? What does he leave last? Um, how did he interact with a new food being introduced? Um, if if you're actually using a piece of a carcass, how did that, you know, interact with his feeding and time? And so take a look and observe, but also we like to think of the pet platter as sort of a... Um, charcuterie board of sorts sure. where you know, go to your pet store, like fangs and fur, and grab those things, bring different elements. And but you'll see the satisfaction in your dog as well. And uh, there's joy in being able to see getting back to really who they are. And that's why we called it the mind pet platter. It's It's all about them and who they are as animals and it's respecting them as
0: such. Yeah, it's just it's interesting that, you know, everything we had for them in recent years was it's all been built out of convenience, whether it's the food or the bowl. And now we're kind of, you know, backwards engineering everything and, you know, trying to go back to their to their roots, you know, whether that's with with diet and the raw you know, the raw raw food and with the way we feed as well on a platter. It's fascinating. Right. I mean, I, 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 I do this all the time and, you know, I'll put some green tripe. And like I said, some of that fermented bam's beets from green juju or green juju and, and the, in those raw food and I'll kind of, I don't mix it. Sometimes I mix it, but sometimes I, I scatter it across the, um, uh, like, like you said, make, make a charcuterie board out of it and just kind of see, observe where, you know, he goes first and what he likes the best, you know, it's, I don't right. know, it's, it's, it's good to know, I think, you know. Right.
2: Right. So. And you can also freeze foods on the pet platter. So yep. um, I know that some people, especially in getting rescues, there may be separation anxiety or sort of a transition issue. Um, goat's milk, uh, bone broth, and yep. even a nut butter that you can spread across. I don't know if I shared this with you last time, but we had a vet who had a rescue that would completely tear the apartment apart after she left. So she took the pet platter, spread nut butter all over it, put it down, and came back two and a half hours later and the dog was asleep with his paw on the platter.
0: Yep. I we do and, this, um, we actually that's it's one of our big selling points with the platter is that it's it's a I mean it's the optimal way to feed your your dog or your cat, but also it doubles as um, Gosh, I wish there was another, I wish I had another name for it besides a licky mat, but it kind of provides that, that same feature. You know what I mean? I can, it can, especially with like separation anxiety, like freezing goat milk in there and then letting, and like giving it to your dog and leaving if you have to. Um, cause it really does, it can really calm them down.
2: Yeah. And the scoops and the ridge, everything about the pet platter, um, we, we literally looked at how a dog's tongue operates and designed it in such a way that they could get every speck of food on that platter. So there would never be a frustrated moment at all.
0: Yeah. Uh That's a really good point. Cause I've never seen like my dogs whimper like they do with some, like of the other like topples and things like that. Like they, they, they'll get frustrated with it. I've never seen them. do Yeah. That. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. I never thought about that. Feed
1: your pet food made from the freshest and healthiest ingredients found in Steve's Real Food.
0: Every Steve's formula is pH balanced and uses only 100% natural, high-quality USDA-inspected free-range meats and unprocessed whole and functional foods. Plus, it's loaded with beneficial bacteria from goat milk. See how much better your pet will feel after just a few weeks on Steve's Real Food. Find out more in the podcast show notes. Awesome. All right, so anything else that we should be, I guess— When we're feeding our pets is there anything else we should be looking for we talked about location and um you know obviously our stress levels and um kind of making a security board seeing like what they're what they're looking for what they like the best um but is there anything else we should be oh you talked about bloat too like if they're getting gassy things like that something we could look out for
2: yeah Um, I, you know what? I think the best thing that any pet parent can do is to see how their pet acts not only during but afterwards. And if they sort of venture off and go lay down and, you know, look bored, and um, there, there should be more of a um, satisfaction level involved in it. So yeah. just take a look at how your dog is communicating and um at feeding time make sure there's not a huge amount of activity going on um make sure there's not uh traffic that's running back and forth around the pet yeah kids but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is really hard I'm like to a do. traffic
0: controller when they're eating sometimes <laughs> yeah
2: but, um, you know, I think it, it's sort of respecting their meal time. It's just sure. like, if you're sitting at a nice dinner, you don't want all this activity and chaos going on, but when you have kids, that's the fun part of it. Right, Anthony? Yeah.
0: Well, sometimes I just let <laughs> Juniper just take the kids out, you know, they got to learn somehow, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I always tell people too, like, just have fun with it. That's it, the feeding time is, I don't know, I, I find it really enjoyable, but you know, just trying out different things. Um, I know we're kind of, I, I still hear this a lot. Like, um, you know, we had a customer that came in the other day and, and said that, you know, their vet just wants them to feed one food, doesn't want to, they don't recommend switching food. And the, the dog was healthy, there's no reason not to try. <laughs> other oh, stuff. Oh, and and so know. I'm I'm huge like I always tell people, just have fun with it. Try different things. Like if you had a baby, you would not feed that baby just one thing their entire lives. Like you wanna get variety in there and, and do it in a fun way and let them choose what they like, what they don't like and, and listen to them, you know?
2: You know what you brought up an excellent point, and I can't believe anybody is recommending using the same food over and over. That that's so sad.
0: It's preposterous. Yeah, I don't I don't get it.
2: But I I think I told you at the zoo we are even cognizant of um, food monotony. It yeah. doesn't only happen with pets. It happens at zoos. And so maybe this will be a motivational message um, we switch up the foods often for wolves and wild cats and more importantly we'll introduce um, um, whole animals sort of as a special treat for them to engage in so yeah. when uh, wolves get a rabbit or um, or we'll put something in a paper bag that they can explore. And you'll see the wolves taking that rabbit and, you know, it's like, this is mine, I'm the conqueror, I've won, and they'll roll onto the rabbit and totally engage in it. And that's, that's a big part of it. So when we're talking about this charcuterie thing as well, introducing and and i know your store has tons of different foods that you could bring in but not only the taste differential but texture and you know giving ho- more whole pieces sure. of an animal like the neck or or whatever
0: yeah but shout out to uh girls gone raw and her yeah. awesome you know whole <laughs> prey products that we have i mean she's got everything right. now from ostrich femurs to i think i sent you the video of mozzie eating a whole prey quail uh, oh which my god i love that video
2: you know? yeah it's just funny.
0: watching him pick out like he totally dissected it and then ate it you know like with his right. favorite parts you know so um right. very fast it's just it's fun
2: I've I've even seen um, certain uh, times when wolves will pull out the highest prized organs first. And do you know
0: what that typically is? Is it the liver? Or you always hear the liver, but I don't know. Uh,
2: the liver is is one of the primary ones, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, the heart as well. Okay. Yeah, but um, but the interesting thing is that nothing is ever the same across all feeding dynamics. You know, everybody has a a unique way of doing it. And also the environment makes a difference. Is it winter? Is it summer? Is it um, near a farmland or is it out in the woods? All those things sort of interact, but there's factors in your own home that interact with that as well. And Another thing I can add in—it's a great way if you have children to have them help prepare the pet platter.
0: Oh yeah, you're my, also
2: building a bond between your child and your pet as well.
0: Yeah, my kid. Um, I mean, my one of my kid, my orders, my daughter helps helps me feed the dogs all the time. She likes it. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's an awesome and,
2: and it's a great suggestion. way to build a good relationship.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna start doing that more often with, <laughs> with our puppy. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, that's actually a really good suggestion. We've been hand fading her too, so we kinda of do a little bit of both. We do so we do the, the pet she eats three times a day right now, so we do the pet platter and then sometimes we feed um just by hand for that I'm same right. relationship building. But um Yeah. It's fun. I love it. That's but great. Is there uh so is there anything else we didn't cover today? Can't think of
2: um, you know what? I don't think so. Uh, huh. The only thing um, I would I typically try to close with is, yeah. um, you know, we, we focused a great deal on what we feed, and the quality of our food is is definitely improving. Um, um, pay equal attention to what you're feeding them from. And the only reason I say this is dog and cancer rates are in the U.S. are doubling every year. Yes. And so your dog's tongue and snout and everything is touching. Um, it's part of the reason with the pep platter, we do independent lab testing uh, with our finished product, just not the material, with the finished product. And uh, for food safety, which means nothing leaches, and uh, it's also non-porous, so nothing can um, come into your, your pet's digestive system. So, um, you know, just taking a minute to look where it's made is a, a very big issue and um, it's just providing that uh, extra level of protection because you are using this every day. Invest in your feeder. Um, invest in your food, invest in your feeder and together I think we can help bring down cancer rates.
0: I think you're, I 100% agree with that. It's, um, it's so important because they're using it every single day. Um, we recently just, I had an epiphany Actually, I just I listened to a podcast about microplastics and then everything, every plastic uh, cup and container in a house was gone, um, you know, for that same reason. And I always like to bring up the point that, you know, you actually were turned down by investors because you refused to get this made overseas. And I know a lot of people pay an astronomical amount of money for a stainless steel bowl that's not even made here in the US. It's made in foreign countries without these kind of uh, testing, then they're not using the right materials or using toxic materials. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's t- you know, the dogs are eating off this, the cats are eating off this every single day. So it is a very, very good investment. I mean, it's made out of natural plant fiber, and plant cellulose, so um, it's hard to beat.
2: Yeah, and you know the the manufacturing processes. Uh, most most of the time in the U.S., uh, people follow good manufacturing processes because how that how that material is processed is very important. You don't want any toxic uh, materials coming in contact with that. Mm-hmm. And um, but that's why the pet platter is more expensive too. <laughs> but you
0: know it it is. But and um, but. I'm, there's I don't want to name names but there are companies that are making you know stainless steel bowls um that look really nice and they're they cost way more than the pet platter does and they are not made here in the us and they are not uh the best of stainless steels either you know so yeah um and you know they're holding our pets water or our food their food every day so Um, well
2: and and the other thing to be concerned about is if you are using ceramics at all Mm -hmm. uh ceramics crack and um i don't know if i shared the story i had one woman come up to me and say i will come in from a long jog with my dog on a hot day and he'll still run upstairs uh to see if there's water in that bowl but not the one on the first floor why and i asked her she had a ceramic bowl and was there a crack in it so she went home and came back and she said yes and so when that cracks if you have cracks in your bowl if your dog doesn't want to eat out of it that means he's smelling toxic smelling
0: something that's not good
2: yeah Yeah. their noses can pick that up in a minute yeah i mean they're just
0: way more in tune to their environments than we are for sure right Yep. right well that's awesome
2: so that's about it.
0: <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Carol. I Again, I learned every time I talk with you, I learn something new. So can't wait to do it again.
2: Uh, well, thanks so much. <laughs> it was a pleasure to be and enjoy your new family. And we'll yes, talk to you, you soon.
0: Thanks thank so much. Thanks again, Carol. Appreciate you. Okay. So if you
1: have a question that you want us to answer on our next podcast, you can find us a few different ways. You can send an email to danielle at fangsfur.com. You can find us on our website, fangsfur.com, or you can direct message us on Instagram at fangsandfurpets.
0: The views and opinions on this podcast should not be used as an alternative to veterinary advice. We always encourage you to seek the professional advice of your vet. Before starting a raw diet, we encourage you to ask lots of questions, do your research, and speak with a qualified vet and or canine feline nutritionist.